Hurry into Old Navy tomorrow for 50% off all swimwear. $2 tanks for her and free flip-flops when you spend $50 or more in-store. Tomorrow only at Old Navy, valid 323. Limit five tanks. Select tanks and flip-flops only. Free gift in-stores only. Hey, I'm Adam Clark. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture and important to them on And our host today is DJ and the host of the podcasts Pure Fun and Tug Life, Claire Beck. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for calling me interesting. Let's see how you feel after I bore you <laughs> I can talking see about your tunes. notes and your props and I'm very <laughs> the props excited. are out of control. Yeah. We don't often get props and I, when you oh. walked in with the props I was like oh shit, she's not here to play now. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us what you're going to talk to us yeah. about. I am going to talk to you about the song Rapper's Delight by Sugarhill Gang. Very cool. I brought the actual records. It's right there. As well, the seven inch, which is really, really just visually interesting on a podcast. I think it's important mm-hmm. to have visual interest. This is like so. the most specific topic we've had, I think. Okay. It's super narrow. So, so I'm super, super interested. Super narrow. Well, I mean, okay. But it's a funnel subject. It's yeah, exactly. It's a dot that goes boom. This is it. You see, so um, Alan got in touch with me, said, would you like to be on my fabulous podcast? I said, obviously, because it's class. <laughs> um, and when he asked what you would like to talk about, I said, The Little Mermaid. And he said, yeah, you and the rest of the world. We've already done a pick something else. <laughs> so I was kind of just like thinking back. I was like, oh, things that were like important, blah, blah, blah. And this is what I came up with. Um, so there's a few reasons why I have it. Um, or, well, I brought it in just so we could get a sweet photo for Instagram. Mm-hmm. For listeners, um, it is about the size of a really expensive pancake. That would right? be an expensive pancake. Yeah. Like a real With nice With an artisan one. topping. Like an edible flowers and like maybe a little bit of lavender infused mascarpone. Like that kind of a, like a, a pancake that's You're a more cake. making me really hungry <laughs> now. Can we go get food after this? So this is a seven inch record. It's not in good nick. I have it just in a plastic sleeve. It's pretty beat up. Um, I, um I have owned this since I was 14 years old. <gasps> Um, when this particular one um, when I I started kind of getting into DJ and getting into I'd always been into music but started oh actually I want to be a DJ I want to be on the radio when I was 13 um, when I was 13 I argued my way onto a local radio uh, pirate station amazing in a shed in Dunleary not the most glamorous no thing even more amazing yeah. pirate radio yeah. stations that come out of sheds are the predecessors to all podcasts well there you go do you know yeah absolutely oh it's the crack I absolutely love but I rang them up and I was kind of saying they were like have you got loads of experience I was like yeah I've got loads of experience <laughs> and like rocked up in my school uniform with my bag of C- I think it was CDs at the time and um, amazing. sorry that's like a novel <laughs> do you realise that don't you like the writer in the corner is like taking <laughs> notes how can I make this into a horror continue mm. to talk <laughs> So I was found out, by the way, completely ah, found out. I had never, so. I had never done a radio show in my life, um, apart from you know the homemade ones that me and my brother used to do with tapes. We used to interview celebrities, and um, we would take a tape. So say it was Alanis Morissette, of course, and take little words that we thought like were didn't have that much music behind them, and then we would ask questions and then play it on a double tape deck. Do you know, so like we'd be like, what do you think yeah. of this? And she'd go, blah, blah, blah. She'd go, like, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd never done action rate. I'd, I'd answered the phones for um, my friend's show on Pulse FM at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning that he wasn't even allowed to talk on except for the last 30 minutes or the first 30 minutes. And then he just had to play music because he's, you know, climbing the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But anyway, they they realized that I was bullshitting when um, when you were thirteen. <laughs> oh, we were all like there in our up. school uniforms. Uh, they, you yeah. know, it wasn't a yeah. No, there was guys in my school who were oh pirate okay. DJs as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, we um, they were like, oh, have you used a mini disc player? I was like, obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah. Our jingles were on mini discs, and I'm like trying to put the mini disc in because I'd seen one being operated before, and mm. I was like, why isn't this going in? And one of the other children said to me, <laughs> um, get take the cover off before alright yeah sounds cool cool yeah it sounds like this unreal so yeah so I was doing that for a little while and I was like I really want my own decks I think it'll be class um, to be able to you know I was really into watching like DMC mixed I have like severe notions like DMC championship videos and stuff oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so really into that listen to all like all of my favourite DJs on different pirate radio stations and stuff so I saved up um, for these I got word through through the channels that one of, one of the other lads this lad in Shine Kill um, was selling his decks um, there were two belt drive turntables for anyone who doesn't know if you want to have any sort of control you need a direct drive you don't need the belt that goes in the, you know kind of you've, you've no control over it so I was had two years didn't know why I couldn't mix um, and then eventually had to go over a set of 1210s I was like oh I knew I was in time <laughs> um, so I got these two crappy um, belt drive turntables which I still have and a little trick a little scratch mixer and um, he threw in three records there was a Ronnie size a KRS one and, and this. this little seven inch of not even on a cover anything thrown in of Rapper's Delight. So they were the only three records that I had. So I'm trying to mix like a drum and bass record, a weird kind of glitchy, <laughs> like kind of hip hop-esque KRS-One kind of when he was off doing a side thing. Um, and then Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill, I had three records. So I was like playing in my room. Um, but it kind of, I got then really into um, reading about the history of it. And um, like got really into sampling and like that, not not me personally sampling stuff, um, but kind of into the whole thing. Like, where does sampling come from and sample culture and all this and kind of started reading up about it. And I just thought the whole thing was so interesting. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a good tune also, mm. you know, it's a good tune. Um, plot twist, stolen. <laughs> Totally stolen. Tell us yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. So it was stolen. They were a manufactured band. They were put together by a producer called Sylvie Robinson. And um, all of the raps are stolen from someone who wasn't credited or even acknowledged for years and basically didn't make any money off of it. Um, so, yeah, there's this whole kind of can of worms around it. And I think it's interesting. Apologies to all the people who are going, this is not interesting, but I love No, go on, give us a history of hip hop. Rappers like no, I'm, it's, think, it's, I'm, I'm thinking into it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm showing up for class. I please okay. continue. Oh my god! All right, this is weird. I actually feel like I've got a class, like teaching a class or whatever. So, um, okay, we'll go back to um, the late '70s. So disco, huge disco is ubiquitous. It's absolutely everywhere, and um, everybody loves disco. It's like it's underground. It's overground. It's everywhere, and. Um, dancing in a club you know that dance the hustle where you kind of go side so you step one side 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 mm. clap side behind side clap so the hustle was like the big dance so it was couples um and because it had kind of come out of the um the underground it was like straight couples doing this like little wholesome kind of hustle dance to each other so you're in the club and everybody's hustling so like you're a teenager and you're like i don't want to hustle i want to impress <laughs> girls i want to like do something 
cool. There's okay. Some slightly neuter de Vidisco, isn't there? Like there is something a little bit kind of clean. Like, like when okay, so it came from like the like gay underground culture. Oh, but when it when, but it, when reaches, it went over when it reaches, oh, yeah, yeah, it completely the, like it's a bit it's quite sanitized and it's quite kind of you know, it was it was joke music, like no one took it seriously at the time. Like from people that had kind of just heard it on the radio or whatever, it was like this kind of weird, funny thing. Um we can do a whole separate episode on disco if you want. <laughs> but um for now, um let's go to the Bronx where um people are those younger boys in particular they're like I this is boring like I want to you know impress girls so they're waiting for the break in the song so there's a little bit of a drum break a little bit of a fill they use that music they jump in and it's a kind of a mix of like acrobatics capoeira um like kung fu like different kind of things that they just they go in they go crazy for the break and then they go back and they became known as the B-Boys. So there's arguments over whether B is for Bronx or B is for breaks. Like a lot of people kind of say it was the breaks because they used to stand, you know, that famous B-Boy stance? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Shoulders crossed, crossed. Yeah, yeah. shoulders in, waiting. So that was them. They're waiting at the side of the dance floor looking cool. They would not come out on the dance floor. And then when it came to the time to break, they would run in, do a little spin, do something really, really cool. And that's that was like a thing, okay? So there was this amazing, amazing DJ um, called Cool Herc. And he's looking at this and he's kind of going, all right, so this is um, this is cool. OK, so this is um, something that, you know, these kids are waiting for. And he's like, what would happen if I was to get the breaks of a few different songs and play them back to back to back to back and create like a longer thing? OK, so he started doing this. So we'd get like the breakout of Apache and the breakout of James Brown and the breakout of like no mixing, no nothing, just like one after the other. But would, instead of it being like 15 seconds, it would be five minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, that is where hip hop origin, like in a nutshell, that is essentially where it came from. So it was like putting these breaks together. OK, so this is mm. fucking amazing. So there you go. It's so cool that there's like a person you can point it to. Yeah, it? I mean, like, and it was um, like the, there was a couple, like there was a couple of big guns. It was Grandmaster Flash as well, but Herc was like the big daddy. So Herc would go around the Bronx. His um, heritage is Jamaican. His parents are Jamaican, and he would have grown up there, um, and then moved over to the Bronx. So his early memories would have been the Jamaican dance halls. So basically, you know, you're hanging out, you're just like playing with marbles or whatever. You're in Kingston, and the next thing, there's like these lads coming with carts with this massive of huge sound systems being stacked up stacked up stacked up and it's like oh there's going to be a dance hall so he would have been too young to go to the dance hall but you can hear it like quaking yeah. miles away and there's a um the Jamaican tradition then of Toastmasters as well. So there's like this dub, there's reggae, there's the Toastmaster. That's sort of like the early origin of it. So he would come from that. So he had this big, um, oh, what was the sound system called? It was called like the Herculator or something or the like Herculator. I can't think of it now. Um, but he had this huge, huge sound system that you like put like every other sound system to shame. So he would do a block party and he would put this thing and he's like kind of start he would try and throw in bits of dub and reggae and stuff no one was interested um so he's playing the disco tunes he's trying to experiment with like the breaks and such make them longer he has this background with the toastmasters and he's you know maybe like you know rapping you know yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, so that's yeah. sort of like rapping where it comes from so it kind of came from that and then this grandmaster flash was another dj he was kind of looking up a cool her going oh my god his sound system is amazing he was a bit of an electronics geek so he was kind of saying those disco DJs are mixing tunes together. So they've got two tunes. They're getting them roughly the same BPM. They're actually mixing them together. There's no breaks in the music. They're, it's not fading in and out. That's class. How can I do that? So he kind of said, mm, 
what can I do? I can't afford like a proper mixer where you can listen, you know, like a PFL kind of thing where you can listen in advance. I don't know what's happening with the timings. So um, he goes and goes to Radio Shack and gets loads of bits and like hot glue basically and like makes himself a mixer where you can listen to the thing. So he's like, this is brilliant. I'm going to play like a disco DJ, but it's going to be like loads of breaks and hip hop tracks. So he's got all these little breaks and stuff Um, tries to play it at a block party. And everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? This is mental. But then, of course, like a couple of years later, then it's like it's becoming mm. a thing. So we still don't have like hip hop, like the rap music thing is still not recorded on record at all. So there's like, you know, DJ's playing like extended breaks, this sort of thing. And everybody's rapping. Mm. So like rapping is like this huge, huge, huge thing. Um, And so they're like in the Bronx, there was this club. um, It was like disco fever. But then they kind of like, you know, um, Grandmaster Flash was doing a night. Cool Herc was doing a night. Like there's all these things um, happening. And there was rap battles of each thing. Like guys just grab the mic, start rapping. Grab the mic, start rapping. Um, they had a phone in the DJ box. They would like call someone and they would rap down the phone, hold it up to the mic. So it was like this whole thing, but it wasn't actually put onto record. Mm. Um, and then what happened is this savvy lady, <laughs> this very, very, very savvy lady um, out in New Jersey in Inglewood called Sylvia Robinson. Um, she went, oh, do you know what would be cool? I wouldn't mind making a few quid off this. Um, so she decided to put a band, a manufactured hip hop group together. So she uh, said to her nephew, she's like, do you know anyone who raps? And he's like, well, there's your man down in the pizza place. He raps while he's making the pizza. You know, you could go down and talk to him. So she goes down, talks to him. She's like, oh, I hear you can rap. He's like, yeah, I can rap. She's like, step outside for a minute. So he does a bit of a rap for her. She's like, okay, sweet. Um, Do you have any mates? He's like, yeah, I have a couple of mates. Um, so, no, so it's like he gets Wonder Mike and he gets the other lads, the three of them. And she's like, and the folklore is, oh, they were just performing at my my nephew's birthday and it was just so great. I had to sign them right away. Bullshit. Never happened. So Wonder Mike, who is supposedly this guy who's like able to rap, goes to his mate, who's this Grandmaster Kaz, which is short for Casanova. And he goes to him. He's like, um, I think I'm making a rap album. Um, do you can I like can you like give me some tips or whatever (laughs) and your man's like gas nothing's going to come with this here's my notebook it's got some old shit in it so if you listen to Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight um Wonder Mike's intro so it goes next on the mic is my friend Mike come on man sing this song the first thing he says when he opens his mouth is check it out I'm the C-A-S and the O-V-A-N yeah So he literally just stole Grandmaster Khan's rap. All of it is stolen. Including his name. Including his name. So all of that, pretty much there is nothing original um, on Rapper's Delight. Um, All of the raps were stolen. It was a mixture of stuff that would have been very popular. Um, Okay, so the hip hop, the hippie, the hippie, the hip hip hop. Apparently he's like, oh yeah, I heard that people were starting to call it hip hop. So I decided to do that. So that's technically original. But the rest, it's a mix of like, you know, kind of stuff that would have got. So I suppose our equivalent would be like, Augie, Augie, Augie. You know, like Mm. the stuff that everyone knows. They're like, callbacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there was certain popular ones that like, you know, everyone was doing. But most of it was Grandmaster Kaz and they just fleeced it. Wow. But that's not all that was fleeced, ladies and gentlemen. Let me take a <laughs> sip of my tea and we can talk about further, the backing track. Further plot twist. Does anyone have any questions? I've just been talking about stealing raps for a really long time. Oh, I have a fact about Sylvia Robinson, mm-hmm. which is very interesting to me. So Sylvia Robinson I, didn't just like come into the music industry with Sugar Hill Gang. She, had a, she was a singer and like had a career as a producer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but she is the Sylvia from um, the Old Lover Boy song, <gasps> Dirty Dancing. Sylvia, yes, no. Nikki, that's her. Shut your mouth. Yeah, go on, Sylvia. So she's like a very long career, but oh she kind of made a fortune off of Rappers of Light. But that she is, is like, it's so weird. That's the same person. Inter-universe yeah. character like that is Yikes. so cool yeah like they formed uh, it came out on Sugar Hill Records as well wasn't it so they basically yeah, formed a record she, label specifically yeah for it. after a neighbourhood that was in New York she's like oh this yeah. is a cool neighbourhood in Har- I think it was in Harlem and mm. they're like yeah this is edgy let's do this um, but yeah there's a little further plot twist mm. so um, at the time so this came out in 1979 so at the time um like I to have been a fly on the wall this tour Blondie Chic and The Clash are touring America okay wow they're yeah. in New York they go to the Bronx Debbie Harry and Niall Rogers go to the Bronx on a night out as you do ha- having a few scoops as mm-hmm. you do as friends on tour and they walk in and Niall Rogers hears famous bass line from his smash hit Good Times but there's rapping but he can't see anyone on the mic Goes over to the DJ, uh, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's the Sugar Hill Gang thing, Rapper's Delight. It's like all over the radio, but no one's ever heard of them. It's a bit weird. It's like, what the hell? So basically what had happened was, and considering it's such a, you know, it's held up as like the seminal hip hop record, like one of the early hip hop, it was the first commercially successful hip hop record. It really brought hip hop into the, like it's out of the Bronx. Hits the, hits, uh, it's capitalism. Like mm. absolutely yeah, yeah. into the mainstream. Um, but the funny thing about it is it's not a sample. They didn't go near Nile Rogers. Sampling wasn't a thing. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, uh, they uh, that was sampling wasn't a thing, and they were like, "Oh, this would be really cool." Um, you know, so the intro is ripped off another tune, and then they were like, "Oh, this would be really cool." Like samplers don't exist or anything yet, so we'll just get like our house band to come and play it. So they got these two lads, Sylvia Robinson gets these two lads, these two young lads, and they're like, "Hey, um, I'll give you seventy dollars if you can play the whole thing through." It's like fourteen minutes and something. So they're sweating, going, "This would be sweet money if I can get it done in one day." So they just basically got them to do the baseline from Good Times. They did the rap over it, 15 minutes, one take, done, history made. But yeah, not a sample. So Niall Rogers is obviously losing his shit because he's like, I don't even know how to go about this. And then, you know, in fairness, Sylvia Robinson went, oh, um, yeah, fair, we'll give you a writing credit. So the royalties start coming in and Niall Rogers now, if you ask him about Rapper's Delight, he goes, it's just one of the, it's one of my favourite records of all time. It's fabulous. (laughs) Of course it is. Of course it is. You you got so Mm. much money from it. Um, So yeah, all ripped off. Mm. Um, But yeah, just like really interesting. And I've got another fun fact about that night as well. Um, So Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Now this is pure lore. Like it's like on the same night, but I don't know if it was. Actually, um, but Debbie Harry, this is like Nile Rogers is like flipping his shit, going, What the hell? Someone stole my baseline. What do I do? What's going on? And Debbie Harry is while he's using his shit, looking up at Grandmaster Flash and his rappers, like the he DJ'd and his rappers, the Furious Five, are like doing their thing. And she's like, Oh my god, what is this rap thing? Like, I've never heard of it. And um, she was in the process of writing her album Auto American, which features the song Rapture, which is the first record it's the first female rap record and the first white rap records like commercially like recorded and successful her opening line um is fab five freddie told me taught me everything's fly dj spinning a set in my mind so she actually like references reference fab yeah. five freddie um and it's like you know it's thanks to him that like i'm doing this record which is 
pretty cool as opposed to just stealing his yeah. rhymes. Because hip hop seems to be like a really close knit community then as well. So like, yeah. I remember like Grand Flash, Grandmaster Flash, the first time we heard Rappers Light was like, like, who are these people? Literally, we, we don't, we, we, don't, no, we don't know them. They don't this go here. This is it. They yeah. don't go here. And yeah. it was so like hip hop, like the whole thing. It's about like keeping it real. And, um, you know, like, like you said, a very tight knit community. And like the B-boys knew each other. The DJs knew each other. It's a certain um, set of nightclubs in a certain city. It's something that's happening on yeah. the ground mm. without it, broadcast or surveillance. Like any music like, scene, yeah. you know, like kind of. Yeah. So then, then you had, so you had the trifecta. You had, um... You had Grandmaster Flash is doing his thing. You've got Cool Herc, who's like the daddy, doing his thing. You've also got Africa Bombada, who um, set up... Um, it's like a, a, a collective, like a, a rap collective, a hip-hop collective, but more than that, it's um, Zulu Nation was his thing. So it's like referencing, like his name, even Africa Bombada, is going back to his roots. Um, he, <laughs> he won a trip to go over to Africa to explore his heritage. The second time in a row, he wrote an essay or wrote something that he won. He The first year he would have won it, but he missed the ceremony because he was handing out flyers to a party he was throwing. So yeah. then he entered again the next year. He was like, no, I'm serious. I really wanted to go. So he came back. He said, like, Zulu, like, came to, it came to him in a vision and it's all this thing. Um, so there's these, like, serious guys that are taking it so serious, moving it forward, like, putting breaks together, finding a way to mix them. They're like technicians re- and yeah. artists. And they're yeah. making, like, they're creating hip-hop. They are the genesis of hip-hop. And then, essentially, these three clowns are on the radio having robbed all of the stuff and turned it into this sort of, you know... Jaunty. <laughs> jaunty sort mm. of radio smash success. And so everyone was just like, who are these? Like you said, like, they don't go here. You know, so it's just what thing. a horrific moment. Like, could you imagine how absolutely fucked off you would be, be so if you realized that the thing that you and your people, like your your mates, you're creating your this peers, whole thing, have been like working on and like honing as a craft. Mm. Yeah, and then it's just lifted. Although like, you could also say that. Lifted. Yeah, technically, all, yeah. all the breaks. If there's any Uber nerds or future Uber nerds listening, um, they're like, oh, this is a subject I have not yet um nerded up on. Um, look up the Amen break. Um, it is the, there's a really short actually YouTube documentary. Just say like Amen break documentary into YouTube. It's like eight or nine A-M-E-N? minutes. Yes, cool. And um, it's this gum. Hi, there's like nerdy oh. dude explains the whole thing, where it came from, and you'll know it when you hear it. It's like the most, the most you sample. It's like where drum and bass comes from, oh. and it's ri- lifted from like oh, a B side yeah. of a re- this record, Amen, brother. Do you know, like so, it's all this kind of thing. Um, getting back to Africa Bombada a few years later, 1986, the first official licensed sample because everyone was stealing all their yeah. other mm. shit, you know, and everyone was a, so samplers get invented. And in 1986, um, Africa Bombada releases Planet Rock and a sample credit and a proper payment goes to Kraftwerk because he uses the synth that is used in, you know, the do, 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 do. That is a Kraftwerk record called Trans Europe Express. And he lifted the sample and legally credited them. And that yeah. was kind of like went from there. But before that, everyone was just stealing everybody's shit. Yeah. Like, but it's one totally thing when you're stealing in an ecosystem of music and you're like scrapbooking you know for, mm. for the yes. club and then suddenly it's all over the radio and it's not even st- it's 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 like mimicked or yeah or and people it, they've kind of taken something that you like you said scrapbooking and they've just taken go wholesale taken it and, and cash, are money, pro- cash money like, profiting yeah. from it um you could also argue djing 
like what do I do do I, I, I you could say that I profit off other people's music for a living or you could say that I take those pieces use them as building blocks and create my Something own stories yeah. from my sets there's two ways of looking at it you know yeah. are yeah. you telling a story or are you yeah. just stealing other people's it's the thing with rappers delight and it kind of happened again later with like Puff Daddy and stuff they didn't change anything from what they took they mm-hmm. just took a thing wholesale you know yeah whereas like if you I've I've read Grandmaster Flash the eventual Grandmaster Flash and the Wheels of Steel is like the closest to what original hip hop was mm-hmm. and that's like super cut and pasty it's just like change 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 hip hop as like if, like if you want to put it down into one little thing what is hip hop it's two turntables and a microphone yeah you know and it's all the creativity that comes from that mm. you know but then like you said it's like Puff Daddy going what would be good oh like I'll ask Sting can I just steal a little little yeah. line you know and I'll like, do nothing else with it I'll just take that bit yeah and just, but, it. This, but that in itself I don't know it's kind of commendable like I love <laughs> when there's a little kind of you know like no diggity is um the like do 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 mm. that's taken from a Joe Cocker song called Woman to Woman like a, like not one of his big hits just a song yeah. that he did that there. and it's given a new life then even if nobody knows it's still yeah. that mm. piece of music gets that's to it exist. or like yeah. Daft Punk come on biggest thieves in musical history <laughs> yeah. you know they like so many samples but at the same time how many people went back and went oh I've never heard of George Benson Cola Bottle Baby but I was listening to Daft Punk and that brought me here and mm. you know so there's a whole it's a way of like opening people to digging in crates that they never would have yeah. done before I guess the thing with Rappers Light and say I'll Be Missing You is that it's capitalising on something people are already familiar with yes or is it like the Joe Cocker thing or that was just a what David clever... Holmes did or whatever you know yeah. it's taking little bits that nobody's heard of and making this thing and kind of and then also putting you back to the other stuff yeah so it's just kind of a different yeah, way of paying it back. I think it's like if you, yeah, like if you take it like the Trans Europe Express, like I doubt a load of hip hop fans went, oh, I think I'm going to start listening to Crowd Rock now because mm. of the sample. Like it was just kind of taken and turned into something else. Yeah. You know, but then like you said, yeah, it is. It's interesting. Like I think like I love like when songs, like I, I love sampling. I think it's so class. And I love mm. like when songs, um, when there's a sample and then you go back because I'm there's a website called whosampled.com. So if you're ever going, oh, I know that from somewhere, you can look it up. And it's s- like when music shapeshifts, you know, it yeah. takes it becomes something else for a moment mm-hmm. and then it turns back into what it was yeah. with that imprint on it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a it's a, a thing that only exists because music has existed for so long. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, it's a absolutely. gorgeous thing that exists. And the mm-hmm. idea that it came from this very specific moment in time and that there were technical things that physically had to be done like a dude sitting at a piano the equivalent of that where you have to build a machine that permits you to make these sounds Mm -hmm. like the sampling thing is the same as that like that's yeah monumental like and then you can go on from that um, and then there's the whole licensing thing and sometimes you can own something and then it's thrown back. So we'll give another plug for Dublin Old School. By the Yay. time this goes out, it's probably out of the cinema. Um, but you had a nice cameo in it. I blinked twice. You blinked twice <laughs> and your shoes are, <laughs> in, my the shoes are in the background. Um, which is great. But um, the, uh, for the music for that, Johnny Moy, fabulous DJ, did the music for Dublin Old School and I had him on my Tug Life podcast and we were having a super definitely not at all nerdy chat about music (laughs) and he was talking through picking the tracks from Dublin Old School and Mm -hmm. like you know he said when you're a music supervisor you got you can't get too attached you know that sometimes you're just not going to be able to get a song and normally if you go directly to the artist they'd be like this looks class yes you can have it Mm -hmm. but there'll be a licensing issue because there's different territories and they'll want too much money and even if the artist was agreeable won't happen so he was just one thing that he was adamant was he really really wanted Orbital Chime to be used in the Dublin 
old school mm. soundtrack. Do you know about this? Yes, the remix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, basically, he's trying to do it, and it's like it's going to some because Orbital back in the day, like having the crack, wearing lights on their heads, going on tour, <laughs> uh, setting up raves, making some of the best dance music of all time, and. Um, it's like, yeah, grand, sign that, sign that, whatever. So Johnny knows the lads personally. And we asked them, he was like, they used to tune, they're like, of course. Turns out they actually wasn't theirs to give anymore because it was tied up with some American publisher that they hadn't mm. dealt with in years. So what they did was they changed three notes in their song Chime, called it the Dublin Old School Remix and went, there you are, lads, have that's, our tune. That's for mm. you. I've listened to it. I can't I can't figure out what the three notes are. Yeah. And I don't even want to know, but I just love that that was a thing that they did. I think it's The brilliant. licensing thing is fascinating. I bumped up against so it recently. The first page of my second novel had um, two very innocuous lyrics from uh, Bitch Where I Have My Money um, <laughs> by Rihanna. And uh, they had to go. They were like, not happening. And I was like, but... But if it's a quote... If it's a quote and if it's, and under, it's a, like, under a certain word limit because I've had this before quote, yeah. and then you've got Rihanna said this. Yeah, I had that with my first one where I had, I, uh, there's a lot of Daft Punk in my first novel and uh, like a lot. But they it. stole everything anyway. And so. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> plug the novel. Please, the please, fans want to know what's the Please don't fight me. Oh, everyone knows already. It's Baron Parts. Nobody gets a bit robots, whatever. <laughs> but, um, but the second one, the, the Rihanna thing broke my heart because I was like, Oh, I want to use this so bad. I want to use this so bad. And they were like, absolutely. And we are not tempting fate here. Oh. Uh, it was super contextual. And uh, if you could somehow directly, you know, just like DM Rihanna on Twitter, I'm sure like, she'd be like, Fenty. <laughs> yeah, she'd just be like, yeah, gas, of course you can use it. Like <sighs> it's it's rarely the artist has a problem. It's no, it's all the, of the, the, it's the industrial yeah, complex. Unless it's, yeah. a, unless it's a straight up steal and you're not yeah. crediting. I remember Soul Wax were saying for their um, Too Many DJs album, there was a, oh, yeah. a couple of their remix they made they weren't allowed to use and they said you'd be surprised at who it was that wouldn't give them permission really and I've from looking at remixes they did around that time and it was not on that album I think Beck and the Beastie Boys didn't allow a mashup the to Beastie use Beastie Boys yeah right. and Beck as well who was super collage mashup-y then as well interesting so it's weird I, I wonder don't... what they did to piss them off as yeah. people who, um, didn't, who didn't get around a pints yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 someone was <laughs> that um, Johnny Moy interview you did mm. you were talking about a record shop in Dublin where you used to have to like work your way up to being invited behind the counter oh the hierarchy yeah oh god yeah. Yeah. That. so that was that was every record shop okay okay so there was there's some brilliant brilliant now there are still there's new record shops like so there's like some black wax record spot like there are really good places in Dublin to get records again thank you to the resurgence of vinyl you know it's kind mm. of come back around but for years like so you had like your Freebirds and uh, your Abbey Discs um, the one across the road from Abbey Discs that I don't think it even had a name um, but it was basically you would go in like so say I rocked in I only owned three records I saved up my money from working on my part time job want to buy some tunes I go in to Abbey Discs behind the counter yeah and I'm like, oh, have you got, you know, and I have a list of tunes that I've heard on the radio that I've heard DJs playing that I really mm. want. And they're like, never heard of it. Oh, no, don't have it. Never. So there was like a thing, right? So there's a hierarchy. So you go in, you're nobody. You haven't earned your stripes. You know, you're in the shop and you're like asking for all of these like quality tunes. And they're like, no, because it might be a white label run. There might only be certain amounts. So then you could see like I would see like Danny Kearns from Club FM rocking in his Club FM jacket. All right, Billy. All right. Like oh, like you know, counter lifts in he goes. So there was first of all there was like you're nobody, you can't have anything, you're just getting what's on the shelves. Eventually you work your way up to getting your own little page in the black book 
so you can request stuff and that's you may exactly, or may not give it to us. It's a pull list. It's what they do in comic book shops. Like you go in and you're like, okay, I want the B covers for this, this, this and this. So they'll get you, so yeah. when they get the box, they'll keep you the secret covers. Oh. But that takes ages. Takes, yeah, oh, yeah, it, yeah. this mm. took me about two years. Yeah. So eventually got into the book and then there was being allowed, okay, so there was the book first, there was the records behind the counter. Yeah, so you were allowed in behind the counter to the stuff that was on the shelf and you could take records from behind oh. the shelf and but but then top level my friends you go in they open the counter the little f- foldy uppy counter thing uh, you're let in behind the box the secret crate is taken from under and you're allowed to go through the secret crate never got to top tier I did get to the stage where I was allowed borrow records oh yeah Jamie sorry I'm getting you in trouble Jamie used to let me <laughs> borrow records to play on the radio and then bring them back sometime but I ended, I think he just knew I was a sucker I was going to just buy them anyway because yeah. he wanted them um, but yeah no it was this whole kind of higher, like a like perfect you know that scene in Human Traffic where he's like any jungling guy and he's like oh the price when they get locked down it goes into orbit and all this and he's like just selling like shitty records mm-hmm. they would yeah they would kind of try that shit or you'd go into records and they'd be like I could bear- like I can still barely see over the counter I'm not tall and I'd be like oh have you got it you know and eventually they get to know you and they kind of start going yeah alright mm-hmm. you can have that I think they knew I was dedicated because I would ring I would hear something on the radio on a Saturday ring from my Saturday job be like um do you have a copy of whatever white label and they were like yeah yeah we got like eight of them in there's like three left I'm like oh, can you please I'm in work can you please please keep it till Monday for me please they go alright but you have to be in like first thing in the morning and I would bunk off school to go in and buy the records <laughs> I mean it's all career building it's like all, it, was, yeah. it was the choice it, it worked was the right out choice. okay in the end yeah. I worked out okay in the end um, but yeah this is going back to when like this is before CDR like the invention of CDRs Ooh, whole other world, my friends, because you could buy your one CDR, which was like £20 in HMV, and you would fill the whole thing. But what we would do as a group of very cool teenagers would go around to the one guy, Scott in Bray, who had a CDR machine, and we'd sit around, and I'd be like, is that the new, uh, that the Bob Sinclair Madonna white label mashup you got off Billy there? All right, yeah. I'll let you burn my copy of... LA style you will I will I'll let you burn LA style but you can't tell mm. anyone that I gave it to you you didn't get it from me because only three people have it but I would like, and like, we would do like a swap and then everyone would leave like a fill, a full um, CD or of tunes whereas before if you had the records like you only had the physical record or the physical CD suddenly sharing became suddenly possible mm. yeah. it was the f- kind of like you know meta file sharing I suppose but yeah but you could all of a sudden you could increase for £20 you could have like all this other music so we could all buy you know so I would have like this many CDs this many records and then I would let you but it would be like I will let you copy that if you let me copy no I need to copy that and that like it was a real like Mm. serious business but yeah Um, and and in no way at that point could you have seen what Spotify and iTunes would become crazy do you think it's better now? Like I remember Johnny Moe was talking about like that David Holmes had the like, only copy in the like the world of this one record at one point. So you had to go see David Holmes if you wanted to hear this song. Yeah. Do you think it's like better now that everybody has access to everything or I mean it's it's a funny one because in a way you can get like everything on like it's you know, like I went to see um Hammer, a brilliant DJ from Northern Ireland playing in Tango on Saturday night and playing out of his skin, single launch, like just absolute bangers and 
I could see like my own laziness. I was like, oh, what's that tune? And you could see people's like, I didn't even have to Shazam myself because people are like Shazam. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's why it's familiar. I literally mm. bought that last week. You know, whereas before like any old like songs up to a certain point, if I have the physical record of the CD, I can like go through my brain, see the sleeve. And I'm like, oh, that's this record. It's by this. It was on this label. Bam. You know, whereas now I don't have that kind of reference. So like with one where I was like, I'm not going to look it up. I'm going to try and remember and it was a Massioplex tune that I literally bought like two mm. days before, but I because I just bought it on Beatport, like I didn't have album artwork, I didn't have any kind of reference, you know. But I think it's good now because people can, um, they can like have access to songs, you know. Whereas before you'd be like, I remember going up to DJs, like with pen and paper, please, please tell me the name of the record, and they're like, no, I'm not telling you. And you'd be like, please, <laughs> and like you'd go up week after week, and eventually they go fine and tell you the record, but not the remix. So you have to go uh. and find that out for yourself. Um, but I think it's good in a way. It's nice that you know music should all be available to everyone. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like what harm? Like if someone's DJing, if someone shazams every song and goes and builds a like build a set off it you know that's they're never going to be able to put they're never going to get anywhere because they're never going to be able to put their own stamp on it but I don't Mm. see any harm in you know finding out the the, I don't know it's kind of funny it takes some of the mystery and some of the kind of hard work out of it but at the same time um, like there won't be any baby DJs doing what you did there won't be any baby DJs you know, doing what I that, did. And but I'm not saying that like a tragedy. I'm saying that it's like a change. It's so different. Yeah. And like for me, like I'm not that old, by the way. I'm 34. I just started <laughs> oh, really, yeah, no, we're, really we're young. Yeah. No, yeah, but that's... <laughs> just we're all around the same age. How old is she? But that's how fast um, the technology moved. Yeah. Mm. And like one it's thing, so recent. Yeah. One thing that I find now really interesting is like, because I anyone if anyone ever wants to learn to DJ, I'm like, yes, come on over. I will teach you. Um, and what I find really interesting now is the way the technology is. Like, so I learned to mix like with my ears. It, that sounds like such an obvious, stupid thing. But no, so you have your records or your CDs and you have um, the pitch control, which basically is the slider at the side that makes the record go faster or slower. And what you need to do is get two records that are roughly the same. And then you have to use your human ears to get the timing whereas now because with digital the BPM it's not it's not always accurate but it's there in front of you so you can roughly so a lot of new DJs learn with their eyes so they roughly do the BPM and then they're watching the lights flash you know um and they're working so a few like a, a lot of DJs now um, rather than having their playlists done like maybe by genre or by tempo or record label or whatever they ha- it's by BPM so you'll have like your uh, 100 to 105 range that's one playlist and then it'll be like this kind of BPM so it's different BPM roughly for different parts yeah. of night, which is fine like there's no right or wrong way but I just find it really interesting that's like people are learning a lot more visually now so rather than using your ears and kind of like training yourself that way so I'm mm. like I'm if I'm teaching people I put stickers over where the BPM <gasps> counter is and I make them use their ears <laughs> that's deadly. but it's I think it's important because they they they're not always accurate you know and it's better to be able to Learn like an innate, like not an innate yeah. skill, but learn something internal about it. Have it be more yeah. sensory than just shown. Yeah. yeah. It's like learning to drive with like a manual for getting an automatic almost. Yeah. It's, you, you can do it with just automatic, but once you know yeah, what's absolutely. going on, it can do it better. Yeah. I think. But I think it's just, it's so funny. Like people, 
they one of my DJ bugbears is format like people go like oh like it was when CDJs came out like you know kind of CD players like oh if you use CDs instead of records you're not a real DJ if you use for a very short time we thought it might be mini discs um, oh. and then it's like oh if you use a laptop and a controller you're not a real DJ if you use USB and it's like bullshit you're either able to make a crowd of people dance. command command a room tell a story make people dance or you're not you know you're, you either have that or you don't or you you know you work on that like it's nothing to do with the format and it just pisses me off when people are like oh vinyl is this like I love vinyl don't get me wrong like I play either vinyl or USB but so what like that's just my chosen formats hmm. do you know sorry I've just ne- I've never and this is this is me being like bad at music but I've never heard it put like that that's that's what a DJ is that it's a person who commands a room of people and tells a story that is fucking cool that, well that's what I think it, like that because you're at the end of the day it's like what we were saying it's like I think of songs as building blocks and you yeah. want to I mean you can go you, you know you're, you're 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 moving a crowd yeah you're telling yeah. a story you're so moving it's like energy. peaks like if you like a good DJ like for me like a good DJ it's like there's peaks and valleys it goes up it goes down it goes around like it's no crack to go and you know if you go to like a junior disco and obviously it's a different like I don't mean you go to but when you enter junior <laughs> disco yeah. um it's so so high energy and it's so exciting that the DJ is literally going bam, 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 bam and playing like hit, 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 hit and you'd only know so many songs but a good DJ will command the, everybody's room like command the, like everyone's attention in the room and take everyone and it's like a collective thing like getting back to Hammer on Saturday night I was like I had been playing at Longitude I was driving oh. um, I had like like this really like packed out tents and I thought it was going to come down those people climbing up the poles and crowd surfing it was brilliant um, but I was tired and I had my car and I was on my way home and my friend messaged me to say got you a ticket for Hammer I was like oh, I'll come for an hour <laughs> but I couldn't tear myself away because he was just I was like when he plays bad tune I'll leave when he plays bad tune I'll leave and, he just and it was just and it was so <laughs> slow and so and it's very much like what I love about you know like certain types of house and techno like the most primal urge that we have like the first thing that humans did when we discovered fire and came together was to dance to the beat of a drum you know so I love that kind of paired back music but it was so like there was so much space in it and it was just and everyone was just kind of and it was really hot and it was so sticky but you just you couldn't tear yourself away from him and then he played um, I don't know if you know because he um, he bicep like he's like best mates with the biceps lads and they um set up the blogs together and um bicep have a track called opal that fortet did a re- uh, remix of and that was like his second last song and people lost their minds and i was just like kind of going this is what djing is about this is what DJing, like i was there sober like the only sober person in the room just like this is what it's about this is what it's about the man's a genius oh my god and he's quite an awkward guy like he doesn't really dance or anything and he was looking out at the crowd and he was just like you could just see like the pure joy like he was so happy and we were so happy and people were screaming and it was just oh this is why i do it <sighs> that's dead too nerdy <laughs> too nerdy Perfect. no i'm so sorry <laughs> Never. so nerdy I, it's so rare that you hear somebody talk with such authentic passion and love about what they do it's absolutely Aww, fascinating thank you. like it's uh that's deadly like and from from three records do you know and a set of like secondhand decks yeah terrible terrible decks but like you know they did the job like that's amazing <laughs> like what an arc jesus christ uh do you would you ever use rappers like in your sets now 
Okay, so I have a very specific reason for sometimes playing Rapper's Delight in my sets. Um, so on the record that I have, you have the long, it's called the long version, which is 6.30. There's the edit, which is 3.58, but the album version is like 14.50 something. Um, if I am DJing in a very busy venue and I need to go, I do have a DJ bladder of steel. Like I can hold my wheeze in for a really long time. But if I have to go, um, I will put on the album version of Rapper's Delight go to the bathroom and come back and come back that's amazing usually with about two minutes to spare so that's yeah that's fantastic yeah yeah so but it's it's not a record that I would you know you, and you kind of have to work it in as yeah, well it depends playing. on what you're playing it's kind of a standout so, right it's, it's yeah not so a... I used to do I for like four or five years I did I got away with murder Trav I'm so sorry it was supposed to be the indie room and there was already a dance room but I stretched <laughs> what indie was mm. to like the very very ends I used to play a real mix of stuff but then I would be kind of like oh playing folds or whatever but like I really need a wee so I'd have to like make the <laughs> make the story make the room go into a certain place so I could play rappers and like They're go have a wee and then it, bring it back mm. They're definitely always <laughs> happy to hear it like surprise track you know yeah. Yeah. You can't go from like killing the name to to rappers the delight. Then. Everyone will get really knackered. Yeah. Although I do have one rule of DJing that I think is really important. Um, clear the floor once in your set or you didn't push it hard enough. Oh. And I don't mean completely clear it, but like play it. You're like, I'm not sure if this is going to work or not. Mm. I'll give it a go and give it a go. And it'll either be like the best payoff. It'll be like the highlight of the night or it'll fall flat. And you're like, okay, fell flat. I'll do another one. Do you know But you want? Keeps you present. Yeah, yeah, and you want to just push yeah. it. You don't want to be like relying on same things. Yeah. That's deadly. Clear the floor once. Yeah, mm. like that's a ri- that's that's it. That's like throw the dice, see if it. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. sorry. The like, I don't go to clubs really anymore because I'm old. <laughs> but um, we used to do one called Shakedown in Waterford, which uh-huh. was the the indie club, but also played a bit wider as well than that. Stretch it, but stretch um, it. so the, this is like early two thousands. So he's. The guy there started playing um, the second song off the Just East album. You know, mm-hmm. the one with the really irritating synth that goes... I can hear it in the back of my head. Uh-huh. That one. And the first week, cleared the floor. Yeah. Second week, a few people stayed on. Third week, and then it became a staple. Yeah. He insisted just from, he on just, it. He's yeah. like, no, you love this. Trust me, you like this. You gotta yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the same, actually. Another one that jumps to mind immediately was Outcast. Hey, yeah. Mm. First time I played it, a woman ripped me a new one it was in like a club down in Longford somewhere yeah. and um, she came up what the fuck is this I was dancing and you're after fucking killing my wife went mental serious? yeah mm. the second week like a few people but like not joking like four weeks on the fourth week the same woman came up to me and was like do you have Outcast say yeah and I was mm. like yes I'll play it just like for you stampede for the floor when <laughs> hey, comes on now it's just and one hey, of those songs it's a really sad song like mm. hey, it's a sad song. Those lyrics are not happy lyrics, yeah. but it's a bop. Like it that's is fascinating, isn't it? But that insistence uh, is interesting. The, mm. you know, they're like, no, trust me. Yeah, yeah. you will dance. Like to this song. imagine Grandmaster Flash like getting back yeah. to the record. Imagine mm. he'd like played his couple of block parties. Everyone's like, he said like I read in a book somewhere that he said it was like being at a speaking engagement. That's how quiet it was. He'd like mm. do his little set, and they'd just be like. What? Imagine he'd just gone, okay, never mind. Instead <laughs> yeah. of pushing it, like we wouldn't yeah. have. It's so sad the way it didn't occur to them to like Record. release it until Sugar Hill Gang did it. They could, they're kind of like, well, it's but party it's, music. Who listened to it outside but this of a party? Is it. And like yeah. guys rapping, and it was just, mm. you know, 
and I, I can't I, I'm really I'm very very bad with names and I also have this god awful fear and I probably I'm sure this hip hop connoisseur is listening going you got that name wrong you dick you're not like, behind the <laughs> counter anymore shut up and die <laughs> so like sorry if I get names wrong but I'm always like oh like that guy and even though like I 90% know the name I don't like to say yeah. it wrong but basically some like one of the big players kind of went in and was like what's um I think it might have been the guy that ran that club that disco fever club actually and he was like the radio's on he's like who's that rapping he's like oh no it's actually on a record he's like by the time they were wrecking all my microphones grabbing them and throwing <laughs> them around the place sweet you know so yeah. Pressure kind of goes from that, mm. but um, yeah, I have, I have. If anyone wants to nerd out further, um, I have some recommendations. Oh, um, yeah. things too. So yeah. definitely that little short little um documentary on the Amen break, absolutely fascinating. I will always encourage people to go back and watch all the videos of the DMC championships. Um, there's a brilliant documentary on Netflix. It's maybe three years old called Fresh Dressed, and it's more about the kind of the clothes element and the sneakers and the mm. kind of that side of hip hop culture as a kind of widely. Um, became more widely encapsulated as a whole lifestyle but brilliant and the music that is great and then for general DJ nerdage um, I brought this with me this is my bible um, it is a book um, by Bill Brewster and Frank Broughton called um, Last Night A DJ Saved My Life and it is the entire history of the disc jockey and it goes like it starts um, at the very very beginning like I actually Jimmy Savile used to say that he like did the first DJ set he put two turntables together first but that's a whole other he struck out yeah. but it, yeah. goes, it goes all the way up then like through the different genres how the genres split into different ones um, absolutely fascinating if you enjoy if you're still listening I'm confident <laughs> that you'll find this um, book fascinating last night at DJ Summer Life and there's another one that Dave Haslam um, brilliant um, kind of I was there journalist who was like at the Hacienda and all that kind of stuff he wrote a book called Adventures on the Wheels of Steel um, as well which is fab and he has a new one coming out it might have just come out actually um, I can't think of the name of it but it's like an autobiography that tells like his whole story as well so there are some recommendations there we go there you go that this was real great thank you yeah. so much oh thank you God. so much do you have anything you want to plug do I have here? anything I want to plug so um, by the time this goes out all together now we'll be finished mm-hmm. Castle Blues will be finished Dublin Keys Festival finished so I think by the time this goes out coming up I will have another love story um, which I think is sold out and then for Electric Picnic I am going to be playing the Castle Bacardi stage on Saturday uh, time to be confirmed they changed it about 6 o'clock I think something like that where can people follow um, you online where can people find me online so um, if you are interested in um, lots of just screen grabs of what I'm listening to on in my record collection and Spotify um, lots of pictures of ducks and random dogs I meet in the street mm-hmm. my um, Instagram you can look at my stories my Instagram it's at Claris Beckus so C-L-A-I-R-I-S-B-E-C-K-I-S and then I'm on Twitter as Clarebeck1052 perfect they're the two main places I hang out online being cool there we go cool <laughs> thank you so much Clarebeck thank you bye everybody So we're back. Yeah, we're back. Thanks again to Clarebeck. That was so interesting. I am thoroughly schooled and now have a new interest in Mm -hmm. the history of hip-hop that I did not have before. She was so interesting and just such a fucking... Like, I feel like my mouth was open for that whole hour. I was just like, yeah, keep talking. Please keep talking. Tell me more. Please tell Tell me me more. more. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, my brain is on the absolute ground. What what an interesting and fascinating person with so many stories. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to be a DJ now.
Like I, yeah. who do not listen to music, want to be a DJ now. Yeah, it's like we've finished the episode like probably an hour ago at this stage. We've just been talking about other stuff because um, we're all best friends now. The after session. Yeah. Um, we should do some thank yous. Yeah, we should Let's thank you. Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Dee, yep. for our beautiful illustrations. Dee, can I have a jumper with the Juvenile logo on it, please? Oh, we should do that. I would really love that, Dee. I would absolutely, I'll give you hard currency for it. Because I, I think it's a cool logo. And it I is. think I think people would like to wear it. Do you know what the reason that I started listening to Hello from the Magic Tavern is because I saw Paul Bay, writer of the Black Tapes, wearing a t-shirt with Hello from the Magic Tavern written on it on Instagram. So you know what? People do start listening to podcasts because of t-shirts and jumpers. That's very interesting. I'm a living I'm fact. I'm living <laughs> proof of the fact that people do start listening to podcasts because mm. of uh, uh, t-shirts. Speaking of listening to podcasts, thank you so much to Headstuff for hosting us. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, do however, do literally could not do without him. Yeah. So if you enjoy Headstuff, you should listen to uh, this podcast. Which you know, if you're still here, I, I guess maybe you did. Thank you for for staying with us. Um, other podcasts uh, that are produced by the uh, unbelievable Headstuff Network in the absolutely like Ikea grey deadly looking uh, Headstuff Sound Studio the audio omniplex that we are sitting in at this present moment uh, are uh, the Sweet Valley High podcast Double Love uh, which is uh, a recap series from the epic nostalgic AF uh, AF what age am I you start talking I'm talking too long if you've listened to Anna Carey or uh, Cara Moynihan's episodes on here you know they're both lovely and funny and brilliant and their podcast is exactly the same another new podcast you could try is phoning it in which is new as we're recording this but by the time you hear it they're on like episode seven wow and it's an improvised phone-in show with dave coffee where all of dublin's best improvisers get told what they're phoning in about as it happens Whoa. and it's very funny and it's very very good so give that a listen it's going to be huge i think that's all our news i hope our live show went well Oh my goodness, I hope it went well too. Yeah. There's a few episodes of Juvenile where it's like, did we repeal the eighth yet? Like it's <laughs> amazing how we're project we're talking to you from the past. We have had I have been to Waterford. I have been to uh, a music festival with Alan and we have hosted a live show mm-hmm. um our second of the year, which is kind yeah. of fucking cool actually. That's for fun. our second year on the air or now I guess it's our third year on the air. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. Uh hello from August. Yeah. Oh, I'll be 34 by the time you hear this <gasps> oh my God, as well. What's your star sign? Oh, Leo. Oh, work, obviously. Mm, okay, mm. that makes a lot of sense. I think, what did um, we, we figured out my rising was before, but I can't remember. I'll have to go back and find it. Was it Libra, maybe? I don't know. Are you rising Libra? I'm a rising Libra. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your star sign, listener? You should tweet it to us because we have a Twitter account at Juvenilia. Uh, on underscore pod. Underscore pod yeah. on uh, Twitter. Uh, that's where we hang out. Um, you should probably come and hang out with us there. You probably already do if you're listening. Um... Is there anything else? There's Facebook, there's Instagram. Facebook. You search Juvenalia, you find them. There's a there's a Juvenalia group on Facebook. Is there? Yeah, it's very secret. It has two members right now. Oh my so goodness. Let's get that number up. Yeah, let's come and come and hang out with them. I don't use Let's Facebook. get our metrics. Our metrics. I, don't use, I don't use Facebook either. No, I don't I don't like no. it there. It's um it, it's it's different. It's no Twitter, I tell you that much. No. Um but what is? What is? Uh is that us? I think that's us. I think we're good. Thank you so much for listening. Bye everybody. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.